<clears throat> hey everyone, good afternoon. I've been gone for about two weeks, so I apologize. I'm moving up uh, apartments and uh, I had a lot to say, but didn't get around to making another podcast. But I decided to do a short one for the parasha of Noah, story of Noah. And uh, basically, um, this is part of the parasha uh, Shavua weekly Torah portion series. This is um, from a uh, semi or neo Maimonidean perspective. I'm not intending to quote uh, exactly what Maimonides said on each and every subject. Rather, I want to develop the themes along the line of thought that was unique to Maimonides and things that I think need to be stressed. Right? Um, and this week's uh, uh, Torah portion has two, a lot of interesting things. Uh, there are two main events. I'm going to try to get to both of them in this podcast. Um, one of them is the flood, right? And uh, the flood is a, is, is a story we all know, and every child learns it when you, you know when you study the Torah. One of the first things you learn that you know mankind after Adam dies, mankind uh, became immoral in several different. Uh, um, categories. The only category that the Torah mentions are two categories. One is Hamas, which uh, we have a tradition which means petty theft or just uh, like lawlessness with property. And the other sin is the Pasuk at the end of Bereshit where this is the thing that got God angry and gave him the final decision to destroy the earth. That was uh, the Pasuk says, I'm quoting it by heart, but um, basically, the powerful men who had political power took every woman they wanted apparently without consent and uh when god saw that he said why did i create all of creation like what, what did i do this for i'm going to destroy everyone you know the two sins that the torah mentions and um and, and then you know the story we all know about now in two, it's 2020 now and many people look at this uh, story and see it as kind of a an ancient myth a foundational myth and they wonder, do we really need to believe in this to be a Jew? Did this actually happen? There's no historical evidence of it. Um, and, and like the whole earth was covered in water and then the only survival is Noah. I mean, they were flooding in different parts of the world. But you, there's a lot of attempts by scientists and religious people or religious scientists to kind of uh, try to like find common ground between the history and, 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 and archaeology as we know it and the myth of, 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 of a flood. And uh, all of that, from a Maimonidean perspective, is a bit of a waste of time, and I'll explain why. Um, and this is actually quite interesting because in our tradition, you know, even prior to Maimonides, in Chazal, in the words of the sages of the rabbis, they've already accepted this idea that foundational myths do not need to actually be factually true in order for them to be meaningful and important, right? So, uh, for example, Hazal mentions uh, pretty explicitly in the Talmud that the story of Job, of Yob, 
um, the man who suffered so much and God was testing him and Satan, that whole story with the, and, and all of his friends trying to comfort him or trying to figure out what he did wrong in his life that he, he deserves to suffer. That whole book was, was a novel written by Moses, all right, to just talk about suffering and righteousness and, and, and the relationship with God. That was um, the, the opinion of, of Hazal, of our, our sages. They didn't say that you must believe that this happened. And you have others like Maimonides and, uh, and Rabbeinu Gershom or Rabbeinu Levi ben Gershom, rather, who, um, who, who've taken this theme and said basically anything that's in the biblical account um, that doesn't seem like it actually happened, it's not important to verify the factuality of it because um, the lesson behind it is what's important. The mythology, these are foundational myths that create civilization, and that's more important to analyze it from that perspective. And Maimonides was a very heavy proponent of this concept. Much of the guide is devoted to talking about um, the secrets of the Torah, and it's quite clear that much of those secrets, though not all of them, are the inner psychic, uh, archetypical ideas behind the myths. You know, and this myth is just one of them, and it's actually quite powerful. People, you know, when I went to rabbinical school, I went to yeshiva. I remember discovering um, other flood myths, you know, Akkadian flood myths and Sumerian myth, and uh, ancient like Irish had their own flood myth, and Native Americans. And I remember reading that, and Carl Jung and in others that this is a part of the collective subconscious, and that in all people. Um, for some reason, develop certain kind of similar mythologies. And I remember when I found this, I remember the rabbis, my rabbis being horrified and saying, oh no, you, we invented it, they all just learned it from us. And I was like, no, you got, I used to ask them, but you, the Inuit never came into contact with us. And they have a similar myth. And you know, some rabbis would use that as evidence that it actually happened. But what I always found interesting was what causes people to generate these myths, why is this myth so popular? And this podcast is not strong enough to, not, not long enough, and I'm probably not eloquent enough to explain all of that, but this is a good subject to research on your own. What I want to focus on is the conceptual difference between the biblical account of, the, of, the founda- of this foundational myth and all the other accounts, all right? So I'm going to bring a few examples of, of, of pagan um, uh, flood myths, and, and uh, uh, from memory, uh, I may be wrong on details here or there. This isn't my area of expertise. It's just an ongoing conversation. Feel free to, uh, to fact check me on, online, okay? So the, the, fa- the, the film most famous Sumerian one is this, uh, the, the Noah character. His name is Utna Pishtim, okay? I, I think that's how it's pronounced. And the gods, that, you know, the gods were angry because mankind was too noisy. Making a lot of noise, they were bothering him. And um, and 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 uh, he did, the gods decided the gods decided to wipe out humanity. But there was one god who felt bad for mankind because he made um, he made man out of clay and sacred blood, sacred god blood, and he decided to to confide to this Utna Pishtim character, and he gave and, and he just told him, look, you got to build a boat. Gave him the dimensions and gave him some magical tricks he would need to survive this flood. That's in the Gilgamesh epic, okay? Um, and there are other similar myths that have a similar line. Uh, I want to, we're going to analyze that just a little bit. 
and then we're going to go on to other ones. What, over here, what's the sin that mankind did? Let's compare that to our myth, okay? And again, don't forget, the Epic of Gilgamesh is something that existed in the, in the, in the Middle East, and in, in, in Mesopotamia before Moses revealed the Torah, before he brought it down. And therefore, um, this is something, this is a mindset that people are accustomed to. So they're accustomed to this idea of all humanity being survivors of a great flood that was brought upon by these angry gods who are basically kind of uh, unpredictable. You know? And what they want from us is quiet. We can make it, we're too noisy, right? We're, we're, we're too busy. We're too successful. We need, we need, someone needs to you know, put that down, right? And then we're saved through magical intervention, um, and we're given tools, like spiritual, magical, otherworldly tools to get us past this terrible um, uh, destruction, okay? Now, the mindset that, that this myth feeds into, it feeds into two major psychological handicaps. One of them being this idea that, sorry, one of them is this idea that the success of man is a sin. This psychological handicap continues to exist today, even in modern society. There is this concept that um, us being having our voices heard, us reaching our full potential it, it, as humans, right, it, as us dominating nature, is somehow a sin. And you see this a lot, um, you know, with, without getting into the details of of. Um, of uh, climate change and so on. You see when eco-terrorists have this idea, yeah, the more extreme wing of, of the eco-movement, right? Of the ecological movement, of, uh, of the movement of, of, of preserving nature and so on, is this idea that our existence, our successful consumptionist existence is a sin against the planet Earth who will have vengeance on us. This is an ancient fear that humans have of dominating nature which is the opposite of what we did last week. Remember when, when God said, why am I creating man in the first place? So he should rule the skies and rule the sea and rule the animals, right? So that, that's like already the sin of, of, of the man in the Gilgamesh epic. It's to put people down, you know? That's a problem. And that's the kind of religiosity that, or if we can even call that religiosity in its most, you know, more primitive form, it's a kind of religiosity that holds people down and prevents progress, Okay. Um, the other thing is that the way to survive the cruelty and randomness of living, now, again, you know, this is not like today where we can grow food uh, scientifically, right? You, if your flock died from, you know, having too many worms, you could starve. And if, you're, if there was a drought, you would starve. There's so many reasons why humans would just die of starvation or some sort of natural disaster that mythology um, kind of helped people deal with these things and the way one way of dealing with it, the easiest way is to placate the gods is to come up with secret formulas of sacrifices and incense that if you did it right god would have mercy you know and the biblical god is against all of that and how is that, how do you see that you see that in the Noah event as well in Gilgamesh. So, in, 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 and, and when I said, I'm just using Gilgamesh as an example, 
all the flood myths have one of these two elements, you know, from what I've looked into, right? They all have this element of mankind being too powerful uh, or of um, uh, needing these magical techniques to kind of bypass the disasters, right? Now, what you'll find is that the Noah myth, if you analyze it, compared to what it came from, to the archetype, how it was like gently manipulated to say the reason the world is being destroyed, right? What causes the destruction of the world is sexual immorality and, uh, and not respecting property rights. That's basically what the biblical account is saying if you don't count all of the rabbinic you don't get into all of the rabbinic interpretations uh, on top of that and midrash and so on is basically property rights and sexual violence and it's quite interesting that that has been um that has been analyzed as the reason for uh for the for destruction the reason for the world coming to an end right and the way to prevent it and why does noah get saved noah gets saved if you notice that the, the the verse doesn't talk about noah being uh, socially accepted. He was tamim, he was whole, he was a, a wholesome person, I guess, with God, tamim imadunai. That means that it introduces this idea of, a, of, of an objective morality that's not subjective to what society thinks, and therefore he gets saved. Now, the, 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 if, you, if, that, if a myth gets manipulated into this story from the previous version, the psychic result of this kind of myth will be very positive. It's irrelevant to what extent this happens or not. I'm not saying that I don't think it happens or that I do. I don't know, and I don't spend time thinking about that, because what I do think about is the moral lesson behind these stories, and that's the purpose of them, and the wisdom in, in these ideas are, are quite endless. The story of, of the flood can be analyzed further, or you can look into all the other flood myths and see how they play off, but this is the one that was relevant for now, all right? Progress of humanity. And, and also, you, if you notice, there was no, no magic that no one needed to do. It's missing from the story. He didn't need to do any kind of incense. They didn't have to do any sort of, um, you know, all he had to do was save, you know, save, save samples of, of different animals so that they can, you know, they can survive. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say about the Noah um, story, the foundational myth of Noah, but also... Uh, this is a method that you can use to extract meaning from all the other stories, right? And you'll find that if you use this method, you'll find a pretty consistent theme between almost every um, Torah thought that I come up with. Uh, the other incident that you have in this week's parasha is the Tower of Babel, all right? And I'm going to start, just make a few comments about that because it's just relevant. The Tower of, of, of Babel, of Babylon, is a story of mankind coming together, the reason they're coming together, their fear that they'll be spread all over the world. They fear something. What do they fear? And why does God intervene? And what is the interven <coughs> intervention? So, I mean, in, in, in school we're taught they wanted to rebel against God, but it's not really what the verse says. What the verse says, they just wanted to build themselves a center where they could all unite and be one, you know? It seems to be a globalist what would the first example of a globalist movement to have like a one world government that seems to be what they're trying to do and they don't want to separate they don't want to have different diverse nations now 
the, 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 what happens is that you can look at God's intervention as as uh, you know, miraculous intervention, but you can also you know we can see God's intervention in nature and everything, and it could be that's just naturally what happens that humans are hardwired to be tribal, and that tribal instinct cannot easily be extinguished, definitely not extinguished from the top down, and therefore they speak different languages, right. God confuses their languages. Now, why does, does, is God confusing their languages? Or is this the biblical account of human beings naturally diversifying into different groups? Which means that it's foreshadowing this idea that large unities of various factions are doomed to failure. It's not doomed to failure because the idea is bad necessarily, but it's really doomed to failure because we've not evolved that way. And that when the, when the Torah says... God said, it often is just another word for what's naturally uh, possible. And, and, and therefore, the, the Tower of Babel um, just was a, failed, it was a failed attempt. This is just from the, from the just pure textual level. And the question that one may ask, and you can ask this, and I'm not going to answer it in this podcast, but rather in the next one, is, is as follows. You'll find that in the biblical account over here, the story of the Tower of Babel, which is, which is just a couple of verses, seems to have this anti-globalist um, energy to it. But prophets like Jeremiah and you know, and Yeshayahu and, and others often do talk about a future where humans will unite to, to worship God and like will be one nation and there won't be any more wars, etc. So, so what, what's the story? Is there a contradiction that needs to be resolved? Or is, uh, do we not need to resolve it because the author of Genesis is just one opinion and the author of Yeshayahu is another? And yeah, they're divinely inspired, but they can have conflicting views and that shouldn't surprise us. How are we going to deal with the seeming contradiction, right? Um, I'm not going to answer that question this week, but I'm going to leave it for next week. I hope you guys enjoyed. Have a great Shabbat. Sorry that I was gone for about a week or two. Um, I shall continue this next week. Thank you.